Hello, friends. Hey, I have something I want to share with you that I'm really excited about. You see, two weeks ago, I got to present with 10 of my friends in an online challenge. And we all came together about seven or eight months ago doing something called KBB, which was through Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi. And in our group, we decided about two months ago that we're going to actually do this challenge. We're going to we're going to do something outside our comfort zone and really stretch ourselves and present. And you know what? It went off great. And so now, my friends, what I want to share with you is my offering from the Becoming Challenge, how to go from stuck to unstoppable. And it's called Managing Your Crisis, how to get clarity in your crisis. Welcome to the Shift Change Podcast. My name is Jason Blount, and I'll be your host. And I want to remind you, wherever you are, we've all got decisions to make. Together, we're going to realize that even the smallest of shifts that we make can lead to great and lasting changes in our lives. So what do you say, folks? You ready to hang out with me? Let's get to it. So I have something I want to share with all of you, too. And it starts out back in 2012, 2013. I'd like you to go back with me there for a minute. See, as Miriam said, I was a firefighter. I was a paramedic. I was actually a battalion chief in charge of um, the emergency medical services, health and wellness hazmat response and technical rescue. I got to speak nationally, I had a great, great career. And I had it for 20, 21 years all total at that department. I also had a nice family, a beautiful family, I had a wife and three kids, had the house I wanted. But one thing I had done, I had worked so hard, I actually really overburdened myself. And I was overstressed all the time and anxious and just pouring way too much of myself into work. And I realized that in that moment, I, I, as much as I loved what I was doing and what I created and how much I contributed to the department and I loved what I got to do, I had really overburdened myself and I realized I need to slow things down before it gets worse. And so I wanted to go back to my hometown, my area and take a new job there and a slower pace, a smaller community and just enjoy not being so much in the big city and so entangled. I wanted to just kind of ease into a slower lifestyle, more a well-rounded lifestyle. So I went ahead and I applied for this job and I had something incredible happen. I had two phone calls in one day. I was at Taekwondo class with my kids in Sherwood, Oregon. Beautiful kind of fall day. And I got this phone call that I got the job and talk about, you know, when you get down here at this time and these are the steps you need to take. And I was so excited. I couldn't wait to tell my wife who had flown out to see a friend. Well, then I, I got a call about an hour later and it was a mistaken call because it was actually my wife. She was at an airport a couple states away and I found out in a, a surprisingly in a very dramatic fashion that my, my marriage came to an end. And uh, from that point, everything just began to crash. I went ahead and I took the job because I thought that's what I had to do to save the marriage, to slow things down. I tried to keep my family together, my kids. And I tried to take on this new job with this new culture, new people and getting reestablished. And I found out that my pride was bigger than my circumstances. It was just too much stress. My wife really didn't want to be married to me any longer. And she was continuing with somebody else. And I couldn't keep it all together. And my work started to suffer. And I lost my job nine months into it. And I had a hard decision to make. Can I take a job out of the area and still commute and see my kids? Because my wife, soon to be ex-wife, didn't want to leave. 
So I turned down other job opportunities, even one that was out of country and I stayed put because I decided I need to stay close to my kids. No matter what else happens, I believe that's the most important thing. And it was the hardest thing in the world to give up what I love, but uh, I did. And I, I lost my marriage, I lost my family, my friends, my finances, my house, my investments. I went to bankruptcy, foreclosure, and I lost my identity. Everything that I had built up in those years with my career was gone. All the paperwork, all the credentials didn't mean a damn. My family was gone. My identity as a father and as a husband, which I coveted, was gone. And I found myself one day walking along a dirt road. And I, I'm a praying man. And I really have been praying since this all happened. And I found myself staring into this creek a little bit. And I looked and I said, why? Why, after all this work and all this effort and, and everything you've trusted me with, with my wife and my kids and this beautiful job and career and everything you brought to me, why is it breaking down? What did I do? Why am I so bad that this had to fall apart? What's wrong with me? And I got to the point where I was even cursing at God and saying, what's the point? I'm so sorry for the very DNA I passed on my kids. And it was in that moment where I heard, or I, it wasn't my voice, because I was so embroiled in my own shame, but a voice came cutting through that as I'm looking into that, that mirror, that reflection. And the truth he said is, how dare you? How dare you cast down something I love? And so in that moment, so in that moment, I realized I have to go on. I have to not stop, as I was thinking about. I have to press on through this difficulty, through this blackness, onto something better. So I spent years trying to figure out, to get clarity on what led up to the marriage falling apart, what led up to my own behaviors that led me so driven to do work and be blinded by other things. I wanted to get clarity on what it's like to have a more well-rounded life and, and how to be realistic in a shattered dream that's in front of me and to be able to let that dream go and try and build another. And so over the years I did, I educated myself. I listened to podcasts. I read books. I had good counselors. I had safe people to talk to. And little by little, I started to pull myself up with some setbacks along the way. But the reality is that's what it takes sometimes. I learned that I'm going to get to where I need to go, and I don't know what path it's going to take exactly, but I'm going to get there. And then I decided, you know what, I've got all this inside me. I can't just keep it to myself. I don't know who or how or, or what, but I want to share it with people. I want to take my lessons. I don't want to be laid to waste. I mean, I believe in God, and he says, I'm going to redeem this, Jason. But redeeming also means I want to, I want to pay it forward. I want to help others. I was so used to being that person that would go into the fire cut out the car to get somebody out, <laughs> deliver babies, be there at a cardiac arrest, be there for somebody in the moment when their loved one passed away. I was so used to being the one, the comfort to be able to help out in the moment of chaos that when I'm in my own chaos, I realized I was not enough. I, I didn't have any resilience. So now that I've built that up, I wanted to give to you. I wanted to help people. 
And so I started to write a book last year and that was good, but I didn't quite know where to go with it. And then I came across um, something on Facebook and it was uh, Dean and Tony, Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins. And well, I know them because I listen to them all the time. And uh, I did, you know, I didn't want to sign for any courses. I just couldn't do it for whatever reason. Um, I've been struggling for so long and I decided, you know, I'm finally in a place. I'm going to make the investment. I'm going to go ahead and do it because it seemed to be, and it did have everything I needed, all the tools, the, the mindset, everything I needed to, to, to have to go from zero to, to where I wanted to go to launch and to take my dream and my passion and pay it forward and help people. And that was great. And I got into it. And then along the path, you start meeting people. It's a fantastic community. It really, really is. It's, it, it's so much what they advertised it to be. It's just, it's the group, it's the people that give to it that really um, solidifies and glues everything together. And so there was a, an email in the mix there or a post in Facebook from Stephen about, hey, I'm thinking about starting an accountability group about this, that, and the other thing. And if you want to join, message me. And I was one of the people that joined and a little uh, lacking at first as far as attendance. And then I started getting into it. And I found a real good cohesiveness, a great cohesiveness and encouragement and people that had skills and, and new things more than I did on this whole realm of putting themselves out in these platforms. And there's people that are just shining stars. And there's people that are right along with me. And there's people that are not quite as far as long as I am. But we were all working together. And we weren't looking at each other as, well, come along. And, and you know, as soon as you catch up to me, then I can help you. It was all about, no, we're all in this together. And so the people that were shining stars would, would, would illuminate on how to get better in certain areas. And you can see so far by the, by the family that surrounded me so far, it's come before me and the ones that are coming up tomorrow, they are fantastic people. I mean, genuine and authentic and willing to give. And it was so inspiring to help me out in my journey. And so what I want to share with you is just that, my message. Now, my screen is not allowing me to click. Okay. Bear with me, folks. I got a little technical issue. There we go. So getting into my, my story, back to my story and what I did. If, if you've been through anything, a crisis of any kind, go ahead and just say yes in the comment section. I'm having a little technical difficulties, but um, Miriam and Stephen will check that out, okay? Either in the Facebook chat or right there in Zoom. But if you know a crisis, a crisis can be whatever it is to us. It's real or perceived. And we look at it based on our own beliefs and our, our, our memories and our experiences and our values. And so it could be as small as going to lunch and you get your order late and it's going to make you late for work. And if you're late for work, you're going to get in trouble with the boss. Well, that's presents a crisis, but a crisis can be on the other end of the scale a bankruptcy, a divorce, foreclosure, um, health issues, natural disaster, like all these wildfires are going on in the hurricanes. Or how about what's in front of us right now, COVID? How many crises within that own crisis? Marital issues, job issues, family struggles, school, um, political struggles, you name it. It's all spun out of this. It's very, very complex. So we can go from a very simple thing to a very large thing. But it's how we respond to it. It's how we deal with it. And sometimes these crises can outrun our own resources. It certainly did mine because Going through a crisis doesn't matter how smart we are or what status we are in life, because some things eventually can overcome us, our own resources. And they come with some a great level of overwhelm, usually, some kind. 
And what could be a crisis to some person may not be a crisis to another. So it's all kind of dependent upon, again, how we view it and how we respond to it. And we can get stuck in it. What I've learned is that the complexity, like I said, being late for work versus COVID. <laughs> There's a lot of difference in the complexity of those things. My experience, bankruptcy, divorce, loss of job, loss of identity, loss of family. I should have mentioned I had two parents that passed away in the last year and a half before that. A lot of complexity, a lot of issues going on. And if it's strung out over a longer period of time, well, that equals the weight of the event. Little complexity, little amount of time, not a lot of weight. Big complexity, long period of time, a lot of weight. As we've learned, if you've heard this before, it's the events that lead to the thoughts we think that create the emotions. So the bigger the, the event, the more weight it has to it, the more impact it has on our thoughts and how we view things and people and ourselves. And then it generates the emotions. And with the emotions, then we work off our behaviors, off of how we feel, right? We'll get to that in a second too. So the first question we usually ask ourselves in a crisis, what do I do? What do I do now? I need to get her back in my life. I need to get back. I need to get back to that. I need to push that away. What do I do now? The problem with that is it's an immediate need. It doesn't solve the long-term problem. So maybe there's a better question we need to ask of ourselves. What do I want? Instead of what do I do? Look at what do I want? What do I want on the other side of this pain and this difficulty and this struggle? And we have basically two choices, right? I did. This is where I got stuck. We can move away from things, move away, or we can go towards something. We move away from our pain, right? We, we don't want that. We don't want to get hurt anymore. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to experience that rejection. So we pull away. And it's from pain. It's from our self to it's our protecting ourselves. Now the problem with this, well, the good thing of this is when we pull out, pull away from something in pain, it is an immediate protection. Get us out of harm's way. That's what pain does. It's actually a motivator to move us away from something, to hopefully something better. But if we do it long term, it takes a lot of energy out of us and we can't keep up with it. If we're constantly running away from that tiger, running away from something, it gets draining. We can only keep that up for so long. But if we get stuck, then we get in that suffering state, right? Say heck yeah if you've ever been in that suffering state before. Where you just don't know where to go and you're pulled back and now you're, you're stuck. When we're in that suffering state, we actually, something weird happens. I'm really speaking about myself. When I went through this in my worst place was I felt so comfortable and that suffering, I didn't know what it felt like to go and feel better. I could handle the pain. I mean, I'm a big guy and I'm strong and I can handle pain to get the job done. And that was my mindset. I'm duty bound to get this done. I'll get the job done and I can withstand the pain. But then I got used to the pain and the pain got numb where I thought I don't need to move from this. I can handle it. And the motivation stopped to move forward. But what tends to happen to us when we're in this place is we get stuck there. A little technical glitch. But what tends to happen, we get stuck there and we tend to complain more than we take action, more than we move forward, right? 
We tend to complain. We tell the same stories over and over again, how this person has done me wrong or that person has done me wrong. When I lost my job, that place treated me poorly. We get stuck in telling those stories and not moving forward because we're comfortable in that. We don't take action. And we keep telling the same problem over and over again to the point where we even tire out friends and relationships. I mean, they don't mind hearing from us. I'm thinking about my friends, especially. They didn't mind hearing from me, but holy cow, Jason, take some step forward, move forward. But I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that. And it actually became kind of harmful because you become so black and white, you don't see grace for, and love for other people because you just see as black and white. They did me wrong, I'm in the right, screw them. But then you don't have grace and love for yourself. You start getting to be a perfectionist more and more. And you start coming down on yourself like, I should have done better. I failed. Oh, my gosh. How many times I said to myself, I failed. I failed my wife. I failed my job. I failed my kids. I failed God. Just embroiling myself again and again in suffering. And so you become uncomfortable with anything else. You kind of feel like, well, I'm comfortable with being this way. It feels uncomfortable to be healthy, to think healthy. You know, you've heard so much about taking a deep breath, about mindfulness, about self-care. This becomes awkward when you're used to this, almost like you don't deserve it. It's a weird, weird feeling. But you've got another choice. I had another choice. We can also, instead of moving away from pain, we can also move towards something. We can move towards something we want. Because when we have a destination, that island that's off in the distance, we see it's our safe haven. It's our destination on the other side of this crisis. It gives us energy. It gives us hope where we want to go. For me, let's see. I don't know if this will show up well. It's probably backwards. But you get the point. That was something my kids did years ago. It says, uh, you're a great dad and we love you. And I had that on my wall when I was in the middle of embroiling myself in all this shame and guilt. And I saw that and I said, oh yeah, that's, that's my why. That's my island. I'm going to paddle like hell to get over there. I'm going to, I'm going to, when you're in this state and you realize where you want to go and you're not going to settle for the suffering state, you realize I'm just going to do whatever I can. I'm going to use whatever resources I got available. I'm going to burn the boats. I'm going to go that direction. So for me, it was, I got two jobs. I worked from five in the morning till about three in the afternoon with the first job in sales, had no clue what I was doing. And then I worked in the afternoon to be with my kids at school events or sporting events. And then I went to my second job to work till midnight or sometimes two in the morning and then a day on the week. And I did that for four years, trying to get myself out of bankruptcy, keep up with child support and all the other bills. I was exhausted, but I did what I had to do to burn the boats, use all my resources to get to where I needed to go. I was willing to accept help from other people. I wasn't satisfied with being isolated. I needed help from other people. I needed fellowship. I needed safe people to talk to. And you find out along the way, people that aren't safe. I met with a pastor one time who I had trusted. And this is a pastor. I thought, oh, finally, I can, I can share and pour my heart out. And I was doing this with plenty of people. But I had a long conversation, told him the whole story, and, and he heard me out. And, and then I, I saw him a couple of days later, and I said, hey, I'd like to, like to share with you. I'd like to talk to you. And he said, you know, Jason, I was thinking about it, and, and I, I really don't want to get involved. I really, really would appreciate Yeah, I just don't want to get involved. I felt, I felt terrible. I felt 
naked. I felt ashamed yet again because I had poured my heart out to somebody who said, you know what, I, I don't want to get involved. But I learned an important lesson. I learned there's some people that are safe, some people that are not safe. Um, something else just came to mind. I was so used to my wife and my job being what I identified with that I idolized them. If you hear what I'm saying, I, I idolized. I thought if I just get her back in my life, if I just get my identity back as a firefighter back, I'll be better. I'll be okay. And I was in a counseling session once and I was talking to my counselor, Pat, and I, he said, Jason, what do you want? And I said, Pat, I want my family back. He looked at me and said, Jason, you don't have a family anymore. They're gone. I never wanted to hit somebody so hard in my life, and I don't fight, but I swear I wanted to knock him down so hard. I remember shaking and sobbing hearing that. But he spoke the truth into me, and he reminded me, I can't idolize something or someone to make me better. And so when we're in this state of going to where we want to go, we have a hope outside of that person or that thing making us better. And for me, I'm a, I'm a faithful man. I believe in Christ. And I believe what he says is true, that I'm going to redeem this. I'm going to use all things to make things better. So whether you believe in, in the universe or God, to have a hope outside yourself and not put all of your hope on one person or situation or circumstance to make you better, because that's not living in the reality. I refer to that moment as a, a mental two by four upside the head for me. It hurt like hell. When I say it, I think you heard it within me. It still takes me back to that moment because it hurt. It still stings to hear that, to think that. But I needed to, to wake me up, to remind me that I don't want to be stuck. I want to go towards something better. Because how you see things will impact how you deal with things because and what we're getting to is the point is that clarity is everything. We have to get the clarity on this, on the, any kind of situation or crisis we're going through. Now this is home turf for me. This is a picture of fire. Obviously, if you look in the center, you'll see a big house. And if you look to the left, you see a little tiny house tucked in the, in the trees. You see the tree line, probably what would you guess? 40, 50 feet tall trees. And then look at those flame links. Those are 50 foot, 40 foot tree, tree, tree links. <laughs> um, think how tall everything else is. So if we're to look at that, and we're describing the problem. Do you think that's a big problem or a little problem? You can type that in the chat. Is that a big problem, everybody? Is that a big problem? It looks that way to me. But here's some things that can get in the way of understanding the clarity. What if we deny that? What if we're in that very house and we deny it? I don't see a fire. No problem. Let's go back to Netflix. That doesn't help us. Rationalizing, which is basically making excuses. You know, I, I, I heard the neighbor said something about a little fire, but right now I'm doing the dishes or I've really got to, um, got to darn my socks. I got to do some laundry. I'll get, I'll get to it later. I don't have time for it. Excuses. Minimizing. It doesn't look like that big of a fire to me, actually, Jason. You know, when I first got married, my my mother-in-law, Anne, had a kitchen fire. And I remember the story 
because uh, it was told to me the next day, but she had a full-blown kitchen fire, cooking fire. And she yelled for her husband to come in. He came in with a garden hose at the front door. And as he's squirting water onto the fire, he's yelling at his wife, call 911, get the fire department. And she said, oh, Ray, do you really think we need to? The whole kitchen was on fire. I saw it later. It was amazing. She did call the fire department. But if you knew the family dynamics, which you don't have time to go into, you get the idea that she was used to minimizing problems in the house. So when a fire came in, a real fire, she minimized it and said, do you really think we need to do that? I think we'll be okay. But that doesn't help anything. Grandizing. Grandizing is the opposite. This is the problem's huge. It's, oh, look at me. Look how bad this is. I'm the victim here. Come help me. Come see me. Don't worry about the neighbor. Come help me. It's about drawing attention to ourselves. Blows things out of proportion. Justifying. We'll go through these. Spiritualizing, which is just a fancy way of turfing things. That's where, you know, I talked before about having a hope outside of ourselves. This is a little different. This is where we just don't take responsibility for something. We think, oh, it's God's will. You know, God meant this fire to happen. So I'm just going to stay in my house and whatever happens, happens. Well, that doesn't work. And God doesn't want us to stay on the path of destruction. So spiritualizing is basically just a fancy way of turfing it and, and taking responsibility away from ourselves. Memorializing. Oh, this happens every four or five years. It'll usually die down. It's due. Well, if it's this big of a problem, do you think maybe it's time to stop memorializing, take care of it so it doesn't go any farther? blaming it's the neighbor's fault they had a burn barrel it took off they deal with it screw them i'm not doing a damn thing well, it doesn't do anything for your problem the problem's now at your front door and blaming this allows you from taking responsibility for maybe what's your problem so what if you feel guilty and shame those are the worst and what was your burn barrel that caused that fire or if it's your trash fire you feel so guilty so embroiled in shame, you think, I get what I deserve. It's kind of where I was at, right? I get what I deserve, God. I lost everything. I don't deserve even go on. So shame takes away our boldness to act, to move forward, to seek help. What we need to do, take a lesson out of my book as a fireman, if you've seen this in TV show or movies, or if you know somebody, or if you've seen it in real life, that first fire engine pulls up. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? First fire engine pulls up. First fire engine pulls up, and they see what they see. For me, if I was in the, the right seat, I'd look over, and I'd see a house on fire. I'd see smoke. I'd see whatever. It's my job, my duty, my responsibility to call it like I see it. And I do it for several reasons. One, I want my crew to know what I see, and what I see is our priorities. Two, Everybody else around me that's coming in, all my resources, I want them to get a good picture of what I see as the problem, what we're going to do about it, and how they can support me. And three, I've got people possibly inside that are depending upon me to have my act together, to have great clarity, and to be able to command the resources around me to take care of them and take care of the problem. So we follow that model. It's called a size up. And basically what it is, it's being honest with ourselves. What's the story? What's what's really the picture in front of me? I don't minimize it. I don't grandize it. I don't I don't excuse it. I call it as it is, and I live in the reality of what I see. And I don't tell a lie about other things. It doesn't do anybody any good. 
in that process, to be honest with you, when you're in pain, it takes a while. And that's why it's good to have people around you to help give you clarity when you can't find it yourself. Because when we're in so much pain, it's so easy to say, she did that. That's, that's completely her fault. I had no fault in the loss of this marriage. For me, that was my place. But I needed some people to help me go, yeah, but Jason, leading up to that, the way you were communicating, the way you use your time, so forth, things kind of led up to that. You've got some responsibility. So to get clarity may take a little bit. But when you have clarity, you understand the risks. You understand your priorities. What do I need to do first? What do I need to save first? And then you understand your boundaries. Simply put, when we're in pain, we're in crisis, we want to take on either a lot and think we got to control everything so nothing else hurts us, or we want to push everything away and don't take responsibility. We understand our boundaries. We understand what are our responsibilities? What are we responsible for? What are not my responsibilities? It's taking on more than I deserve, more than I'm responsible for, and things I cannot control. I take responsibility for what I can control. And from there, it's what steps do I take next? In this example for a fireman, it's pretty sudden. But in a crisis, it might the first step might be take a step back, do those breathing practices, do some havening, some tapping, some mindfulness to get clarity on what we do next. But it's those next steps, whether we engage right away or we take a step back, get some more clarity to determine the trajectory we're going to go. And along that path, in all honesty, we should expect we're going to have to change a little bit as things develop. But if we have a good understanding, good clarity, good understanding, those first steps we take will determine our trajectory much, much better than if we would have been reactionary and what do I do and go forward. <clears throat> I they can sum this up in three different ways, three, three different steps, excuse me. When I first became a paramedic, I was given these three simple truths that you're looking at right now. And as I became, as I started reading some psychology books and different books on mindfulness and years later, like last, last couple of months even, I came across the same exact steps. They were just worded a little differently. But my paramedic instructor, his name was Gary, big guy, big, big guy. He told me these things and they were based on experience. They weren't just theories. They were experiential truths. So what I just told you, you can boil down to three things for, if you want to write this down, three keys to getting unstuck. First one is know the reality of the problem. Get clear on what the problem is, Jason. If you're going in to see somebody as a paramedic, know if they're sick or they're really sick. Is it a little problem or a big problem? Next, Jason, you're a good paramedic. You're smart. You've got a great heart. You know all your drug calculations. You know what to do. You know the protocols. You've got all the equipment. You've got people around you. You can communicate with a doctor if you need to. Know what you can do based on what is occurring. And then he leaned in and said, Jason, the last thing I want you to remember, I want you to lean in. Before you cross that threshold, I want you to remember you're not God. Remember what you can't do. Remember what's out of your control, what you cannot stop from happening. And those three things will help you sleep at night when things are going bad. Those three things will help give you perspective as you're approaching a crisis, as you're engaging a crisis again. And I came back to these in the middle of my struggle, these three simple truths again and again and again. And then I built upon them to help me get out of the, being stuck, to being pulled back and to be able to look 
towards my destination where I wanted to go, my why. Once we have that, once we've got clarity and we know our, our, uh, our boundaries, we know what's the priority to us, then we need to build a plan. And that plan could be anything from you know a short-term event for a day. It might be 12 months, but let's just say 12 months just to throw a number out there. Understand what your plan is going to be. Understand what resources you have, both internally and externally. Know how much you can and how much you can't handle. Your friends around you, your kids, your finances, the church, um, areas that are able to provide assistance to you, counseling, doctors, whatever you have for resources, take stock of those things. As you build your plan for 12 months, chunk it up. Can't get it all done. If you look at 12 months, that's a long time. So have a destination, then break it up into months or quarters, months, down to a week, and then down to a day. And in that day is where we establish our habits and routines. We get up in the morning, we make our bed, we brush our teeth, we drink our lemon water, our tea, whatever it is. We work out during the day. We eat good food. We have a time of day for mindfulness or prayer, meditation but we build our habits and routines. And then and we keep those help carry us through as we go through a crisis. It, it provides normalcy, structure, which the human body really, really needs, the mind needs. We do it in something that was called SMART. I learned that in the fire department. I learned later it was pretty common in business, but when you're developing your plan, you wanna be specific with what you do, with what you want to accomplish. You wanna be measurable, You know, simple terms. I wanna lose this much weight. Or I wanna make this much money, whatever, your in your plan you need to get accomplished it needs to be action oriented right you can't just sit back all the time you can take rests of course but you want to be action oriented you want to be heading in a direction you want to be reasonable you don't want to take on a huge amount during one day where you can chunk it up for a whole week so you can get many different things done if you need to or have your time for meditation and rest or working out or meals or fellowship or time to read and study and edify yourself has to be time oriented. You have to put a due date on things to hold yourself accountable. To hold yourself accountable when you're gonna get things done and that frees it up so you can get other things done. And then self-care, and this is the big one. Self-care, and I, the best way to put it is to be selfish in a healthy way. You've heard the term, you've heard the analogy from many, many speakers. I've heard it all over, all the time about being on an airplane, air, the mass drops, and you give it to yourself before you give it to the other person. I always thought that was silly because I grew up with a whole different model on that. Because uh, I grew up in the fire service where you have, you pack your own lunch, so to speak. You got your own bottle full of air in your mask. I ain't giving up to, to nobody because it's my means of being safe. And my so my crew is intact and whole and able to do our job to get somebody else out. If I don't go in with that, I'm useless. So that's my healthy selfishness. So when we go into our crisis, we need to be selfish in a healthy way. And comes kind of down to some simple things mom and dad always told us, eat your veggies, go outside and play, get plenty of rest, drink lots of water, right? Um, oh, don't play in traffic. I got that one a lot. But make sure you eat right during the day. Refuel yourself, hydrate yourself, get rest, go outside and play, go for hikes or working out or the things that are going to get that energy out of your body, that negative energy is built up from stress. Cause I'm a witness to this, that stress is, it's not meant to exist in our body and our mind, our spirit for a long period of time. It wears us down. It did for me after four years of doing that to get by 
I didn't have the energy to do anything greater than that. But then my body started wearing down. I was always used to taking on big loads and not having a lot of, of sleep time. But with the added stress that was going on, I found myself after four years, I came, my body suffered some ill effects that I'm still working on today through medications. And it developed some bad habits. So our bodies and our minds, our spirits are not meant to exist in crisis for a long time. It's meant, again, going back to what I said earlier, it's supposed to be a, a change agent to move us forward, to get us out of crisis, to move us forward. So we want to take care of ourselves in these areas, to read good books, to, to feed our minds and our souls with good content, not things that are hateful or building on negativity, but working those things out and building into making a better choice, how we view things. This life is either working for us or against us. You may have heard that before. We have to make that choice daily. And we feed our minds with what we say about ourselves and our circumstances goes into that. Did you know that our very thoughts actually create a chemical response that creates a cascade of triggers throughout the whole body? So that if we're constantly in crisis, thinking negative thoughts, why'd they do me wrong? I suck. I'll never get this. I'll never get that. What was me? That chemistry actually creates a whole cascade of effects of negative things towards our body. But if we make the conscious decisions to make better choices, to think different thoughts, to create better strategies for how we're going to implement our plan, to move what we really want, to move towards what we really want, understand what our focus is, what's important is, what's our why? I told you my why. My why was my kids. At all costs, I'm going to stay around for them, and I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to try, I'm going to stay around and be whole. What meaning we give to these things in our lives? Are they happening for us or against us? These obstacles, I, I tell you, if you're struggling with this, these obstacles are really meant to make us learn, because the more we push them away, they're just going to come back to us later on. Maybe, maybe you've already known that. Say yes if that's happened to you. You've realized that obstacle I keep pushing away. It's really, it's always going to come back to me. I'm always going to have that in front of me. That was a huge learning curve for me. The more I pushed stuff away and ignored it, it's just going to come back. How I dealt with my ex-wife, my finances, how I came to terms with my loss of my, my career. The more I pushed away on those things, not dealing with them, the more intensity they got. And so when I got to deal with them, they were bigger than they needed to be. I could have dealt with them earlier. Now, in chat, if you know this movie, go ahead and chime in. This is probably, arguably, one of the greatest cinematic events of all time, right? We can agree on that? This is The Karate Kid. came out in the 80s. Um, and uh, that's Danny and then Mr. Miyagi, right? And who is Danny in the story? Danny wanted three things, essentially. He wanted, one, to stop getting beat up by the bully and his posse. He wanted to show his mom he was no longer a kid. He was growing up to be a young man. And third, he wanted to fit in with the crowd. He wanted to fit in with his new place he was living. And with that, he wanted to get the girl. The problem was the bullies liked the girl. The bully liked the girl. And so I created a big conflict. So Daniel was trying to figure out how to stand up for himself, how to get the girl, how not to get beat up. And he came across Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi did what? He helped him learn more than karate. He helped him learn how to be a young man, how to take responsibility for himself, how to be honest, how to be authentic. 
he helped him see his own blind spots. And that played out symbolically when he was in the ring fighting the bad guy in the the, uh, karate matches. He helped him, instruct him on what to do. So everyone needs a guide at some point in their life. I have one right now. I'm working with Miriam on, on my health. So she's my coach on that right now. But we all need a guide. I had a guide. I had several guides going out of my crisis that helped me out because of their expertise, their knowledge, and their experience. Because another thing that you need from a guide is somebody that's been there. Somebody that knows more than theory or read in a book or is just smart or thinks they're smart. To have somebody that's been down that road of working through tough, tough times and figuring it out. Somebody that's able to see those blind spots. We're going to get to your challenge. If you choose to accept. And you're going to find this in unit four. There's a downloadable PDF on this too. So I'm going to go over it briefly and you'll see it there. But here we go. It's called a a mirror, mirror challenge. Or a reframe. I want you to find a place, a time where it's quiet. No music, no distraction, no friends, no dogs, no cats, no nothing. And give yourself five minutes. And I want you to think of that challenge, that struggle, that issue that's before you. And I want you to stare into the mirror for five minutes. I want you to stare right in your eyes. Don't break. This be, this can be a deep dive and you're gonna find a surprise in here too, I'll bet. As you're doing that, ask yourself, what are the emotions you're experiencing as you think about that difficulty, that struggle, that event? What emotions are you experiencing? What, what color, what sound, what texture? Is it big, is it small? Is it jagged? Does it have a weight to it? Is it hot, is it cold? How would you describe it? I want you to sit with that for a little bit and ask yourself, if that emotion had a voice, what is it saying to you? Sit with that yet again. You might get a little uncomfortable. But then I want you to ask yourself, what's the truth? As you look back into your eyes in that reflection, what's the truth here? And I, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share with you. Uh, I said at the beginning of this, I, I'm so blessed. I mean, this is no fluff, no bull. I'm so thankful for KBB, I'm so, but I'm so thankful for this group, for the people that are in it. I get emotionally choked up watching everybody perform because I know where we've been, and you don't get the benefit of seeing that. But we, that's why we understand why people are on that path that want to get better, that want to get through something, what it means to them. Because as we started this and where we're at now, it's beautiful. And I'm so thankful. And guys, the group, I love you so much. Let's put it out there. I'm so thankful. Um, I have a podcast called Shift Change. If you want to check that out, I'd appreciate it. You're always welcome to DM me. And uh, you're also welcome to email me at oneshiftchange.gmail.com. The oneshiftchange.gmail.com. You know, what I'd, what I'd like to do, what I'd like to offer is if any of this resonates with you, if any of this sounds like you, then I want to invite you to join me because I believe I understand you and I can help shorten that journey wherever you're kind of stuck to try and get unstuck. 
Because I want you to know that you're not alone, truly. So I'd be, I'd be happy to offer a free coaching assessment to the first 10 people that DM me. And then we can figure out what kind of coaching, coaching package works for you or if it works out at all. But please get a hold of me. And thank you so much again. Um, I love being here. I love presenting. And uh, we're going to be back. We're going to do something greater next time. Thank you very, very much. God bless. Well, folks, that's a wrap. Hey, I sincerely want to thank you for being here with me. It truly means a lot. And I want you to remember that whatever you're doing right here or right now, that you are the most important one here and that what you do in this world, in this life matters. And there are people around you that need you in their life today. So let's work on making today better than the day before. Now, if you would, please, if you could share this with friends, subscribe, and leave a review for me if you can. And you can always reach me at the one shift change at gmail.com and my Facebook page at our shift change. Now, let's go ahead and tackle whatever the day demands of us. And I'll see you real soon, friends. Thank you so much.